Alrighty, so episode nine of House of the Dragon just aired. Um, I think we are a little divisive on this one uh, compared to previous episodes. I think there was a high standard set in place from Game of Thrones in this universe of episode nine sort of being the major climax uh, episode of the season, and I think fans were hoping that would sort of carry over into House of the Dragon and sort of anticlimactic, had some strange moments comparatively. What did you guys think about it? So I I kind of agree with what you said. It didn't hit the standard set by those episode nines. I think it started off amazingly, but the tension set and kind of narrative momentum set in the beginning, it just did not carry forward for me. I couldn't really get behind when they pitted Otto and Allison against each other in this kind of race for Aegon. It just, it didn't seem that impactful to me what they were doing there. It kind of dragged on and it ended with that weird kind of sword fight. I think there are a few nice character moments between those four characters, Kristen, Amond, and the twins, but I was not as big on this episode, especially coming off that amazing last one. Yeah, it definitely didn't live up to the standard they set for the season. But I really, I liked the chase just because of the some of the things, the insights we got out of Aemond um, and a little bit of Kristen. And then they obviously set up the brothers uh, opposing each other. But I also just love the, the fail son, Aegon, like AJ Soprano mentality. I just absolutely love it. And like... Um, I thought I didn't. I also didn't like the the Allison Otto hitting against each other, and I didn't like how they try and make her like sympathetic. Um, but something I thought of is that I think they're trying to kind of make both her and Rhaenyra sympathetic in order to have the fans like picking sides in a way um, between like the ultimate conflict to come. Because if they just had it to where she was like just as ruthless um, as her father is being. Um, and she's like totally in on this whole thing without like any remorse. Then it makes her more of a like direct villain. And I don't think that's what the writers want. It was a strange sort of setup though. Cause it's like, I mean like Sean, like you said, like they've got these two sort of sides in this chase, but the only difference is like the letter they're going to send to Rhaenyra and how that's going to be phrased. But I mean, either way, I don't, I don't think she's picking up the, the paper and, and being too happy with the results of it. So I'm not really sure what Allison's hoping she can avoid. Um, maybe some sort of like peaceful resolution by explaining the, the, what she understands of the prophecy to her. But I, I just don't really see that going well for her. So I, it was kind of a strange uh, way to develop a conflict and sort of felt like there was sort of shoehorned in moments that maybe didn't need to be there throughout the whole episode, but we'll sort of progress through it as we go. Um, some funny takeaways uh, early on in the episode in the, the council meeting room with uh, Kristen Cole uh, putting an end to Lord Beesbury's life. Um, just kind of a funny moment because in the, in the books it's it's described as it's sort of a like vague moment in history. No one really knows for certain what happened in there and it's sort of like that um, they're unsure if whether he 
slice his neck open or he tossed him out the window, but it's kind of like, it, all he knows is that this man was killed by Kristen Cole, and that sort of elevates Kristen Cole as the kingmaker, as he's called. But, um, so it was, it was funny seeing, like, uh, screen caps of the episode of, like, this, that, that shot of Kristen just standing behind Beesbury and, like, all the fans who've, like, who know the book and know what happened in this scene just sort of like making memes about that was, was pretty enjoyable. And then to see it actually play out and have it be a shocking moment was, was, was well done. Um, I, I was interested there. I, I really thought there was going to be, he was going to kill him and there was going to be a fight between Kristen and Westerling. So I'm interested in the way they resolved it. It kind of became an accident, but I, I really liked that council scene. I thought it was well done. And that's another interesting. Yeah, I liked it too. Uh, it's another yeah. interesting thing with Westerling is that he is not a too well described character in the book, and that was sort of like the first moment in the series where he's not just a background sentry bot, and he actually had some some definition to him, and hopefully we'll sort of see more of him progressing out of that. Yeah, Westerling's a cool guy. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that he'll make a comeback because I think he's a pretty formidable person, um, but. I like. I kind of wish that Kristen had done something more intense than just like slamming his head into the table, like kind of not necessarily on purpose. <clears throat> I felt like it made it seem like he, like obviously he like threw him down out of a out of like rage, but he might had not have been trying to kill him. I think it would have been cooler if they went with one of the things that was like suggested in the books or something that he might have slit his throat. I thought he was going to stab him in the back with his sword, um, just like right through it. But um, yeah, definitely like a good, more development for Kristen is like, it just like ruthless for the most part. I like that. It's sort of, it sort of added an element to those like sort of attendance balls they have. Cause I feel like all season, it's sort of it's sort of just been like this weird like thing that they they seem to note on and they they do a close up of the of the like uh, council members checking their attendance in every time there's a meeting scene and it's sort of like oh that's that's weird i wonder like i wonder why there's there's more attention to that than there is and it was sort of just like this weird like Chekhov's gun thing where it's like there may there might be like a reason why there's so much attention being put on those and it's like maybe maybe that's why <laughs> maybe they wanted to like point out that these were things so that like it would be more notable to to audiences than when someone had their face split open by one but yeah i thought i thought that was a funny detail yeah that kind of i guess it keeps along with this theme that they don't at least this early in the events of the show they don't really want to commit to people characters just being completely unredeemable for a lot of the main ones and continuing with that i'm wondering what you guys thought of that ending scene with uh, Rainice because she obviously there's been a big talking point. She had the opportunity to kill the Greens. She didn't do it. I I was not a huge fan of that scene. I think they were really trying to continue this trend of the big episode nine like jaw dropping cinematic moments. I don't think it was needed. I think it could have been fine if she just flew out of the dragon pit out of the hill and you saw that i don't think they needed the whole showdown so i'm wondering what you guys thought it felt like kind of yeah no go go ahead no yeah i yeah i don't really i thought it was weird yeah because like she could have ended the whole thing there and she didn't 
and it, it might not make a lot of sense. Um, I, again, like I think they're just trying to give characters sympathy, or maybe make them more sympathetic um, uh, to kind of, I guess, continue, just so that people are rooting for being are able to root for different people. It seems um, the dragon like flying out of the pit, I thought was weird. Like it's just like like squeezing through the door like a Tie Fighter was crazy. <laughs> uh, I really wish that she just like uh, like bursted through the ceiling or something. And and so I mean I don't know what like it, how it goes in the books with however the dragon pit ultimately becomes like a a dilapidated place. But um, I want to see. I, I wish I would have been part of the reason for that. And I think that would have been um, a more interesting result of that scene. So that's kind of what I was referring to as like a sort of weird character moment for this episode where it, it feels like for the purpose of adding a climactic moment, they shoehorned in this this big dragon scene where now it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why she didn't kill anyone. And it's it, it's if you're putting all of your characters at the mercy of death to the point where like the show could have pretty much ended right there if she just like pulled the trigger uh and it's just like there's no it but it doesn't feel like there's a reason to bring it to that point so it's just kind of a strange strange move from a white uh, writing standpoint uh but you know cool visually like to see a dragon i i think it might have been cool if there was sort of a dragon standoff and and Aegon had i mean maybe sunfire makes an appearance and sort of stands off with it to sort of show uh, and reaffirm this feeling that Aegon is getting that maybe he is like rightfully king in that moment because I mean that was another thing that I was going to jump into is uh, episode prior I think Aemon really stole the show uh, with his dinner table speech and just sort of really showing that like menacing quality that people had been looking forward to and, and in this episode to me seeing the skill of this actor playing Aegon and, and him in that carriage scene with Alicent just just seeming like totally disinterested in, in any aspect of life uh, up until the moment where the crown is placed on his head and he turns to the crowd, hears everyone roaring, and, and all of a sudden there's this like glimmer in his mind that he's receiving this attention he's never seen before. And I thought that was that was really amazing. And just seeing him up there on the stage just felt like how I imagine uh, the Targaryens and a, a Song of Ice and Fire and like the histories of this world and how I imagine them reading the books and I, I just thought that was so well done. So kudos to them for that. Yeah, yeah like, the was... props are cool too. Like the crown is sick. It, um, yeah, the sword is really cool. Yeah. It's an excellent like massive set piece and like we've never, I mean we've seen like big moments like that throughout Game of Thrones but this is like just an entirely new one that just just instantly added so much to this world and, and time period they're showing. So amazing stuff there. Um, yeah, I um I love just with the Aegon actor. I was I was a bigger fan of his younger uh <laughs> self just completely messing around all the time, but I it really is like alluded to earlier if AJ Soprano took over the crime family, especially in the later seasons where he went through his weird uh, angsty phase. I, I love the way they're portraying him as a foil to Renera in the show. 
I'm like really into the like House of the Dragon Sopranos like character comparison. So maybe we might have to do that at some point. I I want to. I'm like, I want to see like Kristen Cole, like season three Kristen Cole. He's just like turned into Ralph Cifaretto. He's just entirely morphed. <laughs> I don't know, just something like that. I feel like that's in his arc, but uh, I, I think funny, we should yeah, do that somewhere. I feel like Aegon actually does look a little bit like AJ Soprano too, just like a little bit older. Like AJ's actor, I, I can't remember his name now, but he does, he has like more of a boyish look to him. But I just I get I'm so reminded of of AJ Soprano when I look at Aegon. It's so funny. Yeah, I'm excited to see more of him. I'm excited to see how he develops and like hopefully sort of immerses himself in this conflict that his his life is about to be unraveled in. My last my last comment on the episode before we, we get into the activity is I love that every character in the series seems to have like an inconspicuous up to bad up to bad stuff disguise. Like Damon has his hoodie, a- Amon has a similar hoodie and Kristen Cole has like this dorky little hat that he puts on. And I, like Aladdin. <laughs> I don't know if like I don't know if it's just like me just absolutely growing to despise this band, but I just like every every little shot of him running around the city in that episode and that hat was just cracking me up so much. Yeah, I get, yeah, I also like seeing all these like noble people just roaming around the city streets and seeing like the like the lowest points in King's Landing. Like I don't think that's something we really saw in the same way in Game of Thrones. Like we would see them we would see like over on Littlefinger and others like in the brothel or something. We saw like, we wouldn't see it to, like We saw Ned ven- we... venturing around a little bit in, in uh season one where he's sort of investigating like Gendry and Robert's bastards, but sure. he didn't have a I guess like like a bad guy hoodie or anything which which is lame in, in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't like yeah, and like it really saw like a dark side of King's Landing too, like with the kids fighting and stuff. Yeah. Um that was that was pretty crazy. Um and I kinda wish that they it was weird with Masaria like asking Otto to to get rid the style like, to look into it or and just be or like she was okay with him just saying he would look into it. I would have thought like her character would be more demanding of like immediate action than just like a vague promise. Um, especially considering that it seems like her building is what was burned by Laris at near the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, I I think we should uh, we should jump into it. So, like with uh, like with a building a sports team. I think we've come to the conclusion that putting together your lineup for ruling the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros is is pretty similar. Uh, every team it has its key components that it needs. You need your team captain. You need your, your gritty guys that'll talk a lot of shit and get in the other team's head. And You need your, your shooters and, and, your, and your big men and your schemers and dragon riders and all that. So we're going to go through... 15 characters and the three of us are going to draft teams of five and see who has the best team at the end of it 
Yep, a few more rules. No trades. Uh, there's no salary cap, no restrictions. You can get whatever you want. And we're doing a snake draft style. Sick. All right, so Sean is going to go first. I'll go second. And Sam will go third. Okay. First pick. Pretty clear one to me. I'm going Amon's Targaryen. Maybe actually not that clear, but I... I'm a big fan of his work, obviously a guy that he studies the histories and the philosophy as uh, said in this episode, knows how to use a sword and has really been preparing for uh, this upcoming war his whole life. I think, you know, as seen in the last episode with the strong thing, he's clever, he has some jokes, he's he can get people on his side, he does have a good sense of humor, and he has the biggest dragon so i'm going with him number one i i'm i'm very curious about the the philosophies thing are there are there like westerosi philosophers i i was like, also it, interested like is, I there, know is there like a plato lannister out there that that we don't know about there could that be. would be cool all right so with my first pick i'm gonna go with daemon targaryen uh i think daemon is the perfect foil for aemon uh, Aemon sort of represents to him, I think, a lot of his his worst qualities. Sort of both the second son having to 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 grab and steal whatever they can to to stake their claim in this world, and and uh, I think uh, while Aemon might have the biggest dragon, Daemon has the dragon with the longest neck, and you never underestimate the longest neck. The neck, the neck's important. All right, you good to go. Okay, pick three yeah. and four here. Oh, boy. I, you know, you guys had some good first picks. I'm feeling good about my picks. Uh, number one, Nina Dragon. So I'm going with the rightful queen, Rhaenyra Targaryen. Um, Tyrax has the ability to lay some eggs. So I'm, I'm, I'm banking on that to you know, bolster my forces potentially in the future if they hatch. Um, and I like me some Rhaenyra. She's got good energy. She's a good leader. People like her, and some people are willing to die for her. So, yeah, need that. And my second pick is an interesting one, but I think it's justified, and that's going to be Harold Westerling, <laughs> the the big Scottish man himself. <laughs> I think he's a formidable uh, swordsman, most likely. And never seen it, but, but maybe he's actually sick. <laughs> like... You're gonna see it, trust me. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's gonna be cool. You have taken all of your money out of Bitcoin and placed it into Harold Westerling with, with very little info to go on. May never actually appear again in the show, but it's high risk, uh, low reward. I, I like it, I like the play. <laughs> Big dragon uh, mustache, yeah. <laughs> and I, I like, I like, I like. You've got, you've got uh, faith in Rhaenyra and and Cyrax. I, Cyrax. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really know, understand exactly how dragon fighting works and how much size comes into play. Maybe it's like a, like, size of the fight and the dog type of thing. Um, That's true. Cyrax got a lot of fight in there. I think with my my second pick, I'm gonna 
select uh, a team captain sort of to bring my my unit together. I'm going to go with Corliss Valerian, the Sea Snake. Um, I think sort of a core core element of the whole Dance of the Dragons is that this whole saga of Westeros history has to to eventually arrive in in the point of time in, in Game of Thrones where there are no dragons remaining, and um, I think this this will sort of play a huge part in that. And watching these dragons kill each other off, and what remains will be armies and and navies. And I I want to have the biggest navy. I think that is major in making it play at King's Landing. Okay, that's a it's a decent pick. I. I picked two here, right? Yes, you do. Yeah. Okay, second overall pick, I'm going Rhaenys Targaryen, queen who never was. She is experienced. She has a really cool dragon. And uh, I feel like she's someone people in the realm like. So I'm, I'm going her number two. And number three, I am going to go with Otto Hightower. I need a leader. I know uh, he's been around. LinkedIn account, really popular. A lot of connections around the realm. So I think he's going to really bring us together. He's going to do the less glamorous uh, day-to-day work for the team. So I'm going with him. He also represents a house with with quite a large amount of power at this point in time, right? So he does. He does. Yeah, I think they, they run the reach now. I don't think it's the Tyrells, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, that sounds right, though. Um. All right, with my next pick, I'm going to go with Aegon Targaryen. I think uh, this last episode seems to have gotten you pretty big on Rainies and and her dragon Maelys, and for me, this last episode sold me on Aegon. I think. He has a lot of untapped potential. I don't think his mom really likes him that much, but I I would like him. I would I would show him the ropes and and you know even if even if he's just wasted wasted talent, it, at least I have like a poster boy with a with a big name. And to some people, he is the rightful ruler. So he's got that going for him. And he's got a cool looking dragon. So there we go. Interesting pick for sure. If they also had Aegon, but I'm gonna go with my Oracle, my Dreamer, Helena Targaryen. She is gonna be bringing a dragon to the table with a sick name, and she is gonna be seeing the future for me. Really gonna be able to map out the best place for my squad. I think it's gonna be great. Just, just be saying things that makes no sense at all. But uh... <laughs> she, she's, she'll work on her communication. Okay. And and once she does that, she'll she'll be great. She'll be great. Okay. She'll take some lessons. She'll go to school for a bit, and uh, she'll figure it out. She will. Now, okay. my next pick. Next pick's gonna be the man himself, the bloodthirsty kingmaker, Kristen Cole. Hmm. Looking for some, looking for some more action on the ground. I think. Uh, him and Harold Westerling together are a dynamic duo in hand-to-hand combat. I mean, like, everyone's got to get off their dragons at some point, so <laughs> they're going to be able to handle the, the, the ground fight really well. Uh, the Westeros, Jordan, and Pippin you've got right there. <laughs> really is, really is. 
Okay, that's that's an interesting one. Um, I like. Uh, go ahead. It's is back to you now. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I like this idea that there's like a everyone's got to get off their dragon eventually <laughs> mindset. This is dragons. The dragons need to nap, and then just just you wait, Harold Westerling. That mustache, that that shit's pointy. That's gonna oh, get you. <laughs> um. Okay. I. Okay. My next pick. I'm gonna go with Lara Strong. Because I need a schemer. With the fourth, my fourth pick in the 1610 AD or whenever it is draft, I'm going to go with Jaceri's Valerian. Um, his dad had the best hair in Westeros. Maybe he'll grow into that eventually, I'm hoping. Nice, nice kid. People seem to like him. Has a dragon. I think he's just. A good all-around talent for the team, so I'm I'm going with him. And am I am I picking fifth as well now? Yeah. Okay. Fifth pick. I need a schemer, so I'm gonna go Missaria. With my final pick between Lucerus Valerian and Allison Hightower. And this is tricky because I really do not feel like I should be picking up Lucerus Valerian, but at this point in time, I'm not really seeing what Allison has to bring to the table with my team. I think in the show she will be a formidable character, but for the purpose of this, I don't. My I don't. Bad, my bad, I'm back. I don't see her being um, uh, anything but secondary to Otto um, at the moment. And I think that's sort of how they're making her out to be, and I think it's it's unfortunate for for her for the purpose of this game. But yeah, I will be picking Lucerus Valerian, um, that good strong boy, uh, who also he's got jokes. Maybe he's my like Draymond Green. Maybe he's my like me. getting getting their head talk shit guy because he had that like the like the pig joke. He was he pissed off Aim and so. Big energy guy for sure. Well, that leaves me with Allison Hightower, and I'm feeling good about that. I'll take her political prowess and use that for my team's advantage. She's the queen right now. Everyone loves her. And the love triangle is the core of this team between her, Kristen, and Rhaenyra. And it's going to show some real strength for my, for my group here. Those, and and those carry my team forward. Always work well. Always a good thing. It's actually going to be sick though, because <clears throat> they're great. They, they got they all got good energy, and when they're united, it's going to be they're going to go crazy. Okay. Do we want to give our sixty second pitches for why our team should win? Okay. I do. Do you want to lead off with with your pitch, your team? Sure thing. Yeah. Um, all right, I think I have a nice, well-rounded roster here. Um, I think in terms of firepower, I've got the Navy from Corliss. I've got Aemond, his dragon, whatever influence he has with with uh, Targaryen soldiers. Uh, I've got whatever um, banners are loyal to House Strong. Uh, I think I've got some good firepower there. And I've got a couple dragons to back that up. Um, 
I've got the figurehead of Aegon. You can always put his name on a poster. I feel like like Aegon Targaryen kind of got a good ring to it in this world. I think that means something to people. People are willing to back him. And uh, yeah, I think I think I'm overall I'm pretty happy with my team. Okay, uh, I will go next. So I think the most important thing when building a team is your dragons, and I think between Rhaenys. Jaceres and Amond, I have the biggest and best dragons on my team. Uh, just to round it out, we got Otto, good leader, really brings people together. And then you've got <laughs> Missaria, she, she counters uh, Helena with the dreams that she can't communicate. And uh, I think has, uh. has less weaknesses <laughs> than, than Larry's with, with his whole thing. So I'm I'm going I'm going with my team. I'm feeling good. All right. Rhaenyra, the rightful queen. Harold Westerling, the bearded Scot. <laughs> Helena Targaryen, the dreaming oracle. Kristen Cole, the low man that became the high man. Uh. And of course, <laughs> Allison Hightower. That's all that, I really need to say. My that, like, that's the pitch? Okay. That's the pitch. I like uh, We're going to go crazy. I, I like that you've canonized the country of Scotland uh, for the purpose of, of this. Um, I, 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 I like Yeah, I like that, that that is now like a region in, in Westeros somewhere that, that Harold Westerling comes from. Not the Westerlands. Uh, the crowd is full of Scots. <laughs> it's just all Scottish people. <laughs> they migrated from the wall. It's just Harold Westerling and groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons, and and that's it. That's that's everyone that lives there. <laughs> the only, the only characters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, probably hard to pick a winner. We can, I think, pick a loser though. And um, that, <laughs> this, this team, that is Team Renera. I don't know. I don't know if Harold and and Kristen are really really pulling a lot together. I don't know what Allison's gonna do, but it's definitely it's interesting. It's an interesting team and set of characters. I got my best place on Lord Commander Westerling. Gonna come back with the force. You'll have to wait and see. I'm so excited for like the finale of this show and all of the dragons are dead and Harold Westerling just pulls up with like like the Scottish army from from Braveheart and they just <laughs> arrive in King's Landing and he's like he's there to fucking like seek vengeance on Kristen Cole. I'm I'm very excited for that plot line. I, I hope that happens. We'll have to wait and see. It's gonna be cool though. He's wearing William Wallace's face as a mask and returned with the rest of the army. I'm 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 here for it. Alrighty. Thanks for doing that guys. Uh we're gonna wrap it up here.